Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My guests today are Craig Dalziel, a senior director at GP Strategies, and Doug Roby, Vice President of Asset Management at GP Strategies. Doug, Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Jeremy. So our topic today is building a technical workforce to achieve asset management performance success. So first, Doug, for listeners who aren't familiar with asset management performance, let's define it. What is that? If you look at asset management uh, or APM, asset performance management, in the simplest form, it's really a company strategy for managing the health of their organization's physical assets. So it's the strategy behind how do we measure, how do we take care of these assets. With a strong strategy, asset-intensive industries, you know, such as manufacturing, oil and gas, mining, transportation, and utilities, they have more control over the operational life of their physical assets. So adopting a performance management strategy and implementing the right application will enable companies to move from a reactive approach to maintenance to a more proactive data-driven approach, leading to less unplanned downtime, decreased maintenance costs, and increased asset availability. Doug, sticking with you for a minute, what sort of employee training is essential for a company that wants to move toward a living asset management program? What I've seen, I've been doing this a long time, and I've seen uh, companies do it a million different ways. But the one thing that seems to work the best is having an effective competency skill-based training module. The focus on competency-based training is to develop a consistent training based on standardization that can be accurately measured. So this type of model will allow organizations to communicate company strategic objectives along with the performance standards needed that align together to take care of that physical asset. Companies that align these two things the best seem to have the best programs I see out there. Another aspect to consider is many of the trained and skilled workforce are retiring. So there's a shortage right now of of skilled workforce out there in these different industries. So getting the knowledge from these guys is critical as we move to the future. So tying and retaining the knowledge we currently have with the workforce, along with developing this competency-based model, will ensure that the new workforce will receive the proper training to perform their jobs and take care of those physical assets, as I spoke about earlier. What's one example of what that sort of training looks like? Well, it's different ways, but tying back the criticality of our physical assets to the training, understand what we have to do, what tasks do we have to accomplish to train to for our people to learn. So once we understand what the tasks are on those physical assets and we understand how it can fail, then we can build the skill set up Um, for them to be able to perform that. So a good example would be you have all these physical assets out there. You have pumps aligned to motors. You have gearboxes aligned to motors. If you don't align correctly, then you're going to have vibration. The asset won't last as long as it will. Bearings can burn up. And at the end, you're shortening the lifespan of those assets. So the skill set to align equipment is critical. And behind that, understanding how it ties into the process is critically important, too. So these aspects are things we look for when we're trying to develop these type of programs. Craig, let me throw it over to you with a related question. It sounds like 
assessing worker skill sets is an important part of this process. But say a few words about that. Why is it, in fact, important to assess worker skill sets? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jeremy. And it's, it is important. And it really goes back to a bunch of the things Doug said, but really the effort to remain competitive. Uh, that technical workforce needs to operate at the highest level every minute, every day, every shift. And in the competitive marketplace, errors and losses and downtime are really challenging for them to compete. So with that said, you really want to know the current level of your workforce, how that relates to execution of their job duties, but also ensuring that their jobs are completed per procedures, done so safely, and within any kind of local, state, federal requirements that uh, they need to meet uh, compliance. So really the way to benefit from those assessments is alignment to the competencies that Doug spoke about, understanding where you have mastery level competency all the way down to um, lack of competency in those critical areas. And then what you can do is take that competency and define a training and progression program for the employees to really maximize what those capabilities are. And some of the benefits, Jeremy, to your specific question are, you know, in the past, a lot of companies would batch hire and put people into a long-term training program. And there's benefit to that because you do need core skills and capabilities. But a lot of people coming in may have uh, past capabilities, knowledge, skills, and abilities. So being able to determine exactly where they are will allow a company to create efficiencies in how they really do training and competency advancement from individual learning plans based on exactly what someone needs to learn to be effective in their job, um, all the way through what are wide level shortcomings we have in the capability of the workforce that many people need to, excuse me, need to jump into training for. Lots of benefits there. And really, it's about creating efficiency. It's about creating the true focus training program. And that's what the modern learner is really looking for as well. I think that covers it. Let me stick with you for a second and, and follow, ask a follow-up question. So what will learning and development look like for these sorts of technical workers? It's going to look like a lot of things, but I think there's kind of two main things that we're seeing and, and GP's trying to, to lead, uh, lead the industry there you're always going to have the traditional kind of core competencies. What's the knowledge and skills required to perform jobs safely, effectively every day? And, and that's basic based on typical job duties and tasks. That stuff's not going to go away. You need those core capabilities. Where we're seeing changes is, again, in two areas. Number one, training to ensure a high level of performance of the business. And that goes back to what Doug was talking about, understanding the health of the asset and the equipment and trying to maximize reliability of that, availability of that, and uptime of the whole process. So you're seeing training tied now to operational efficiencies. You're also seeing training tied back to the the failure modes of equipment, like Doug had spoken about earlier. So um, those are really critical now, instead of just base core programs people going into, tying them to business outcomes and metrics. Number two is leveraging really modern learning methodologies. And these are the things that create efficiencies in learning and also increase learner engagement and attention. So you're seeing modern learning methodologies and how learning is deployed through things like learning experience platforms where learning can be pushed to the worker based on what that worker's peers may have benefit, benefited from. 
also easier access to the learning. And then some of the really cool stuff that you're seeing out there doing training in, in virtual reality, 3D kind of immersive environments where you can safely perform dangerous tasks, but also learn the hands-on skills needed. There's augmented reality. There's advanced virtual instructor-led training uh, and things like that. So probably the last piece, Jeremy, is uh, when you look into things like micro-learnings. So those are those shorter learning nuggets that someone can uh, use on the job while they're performing a task to get a refresher or walk through a process, etc., versus having to remember everything from the classroom when they're out there in the field. There's a third that I won't go into, but it's really around some high-tech industries and automotive and financial insurance are looking at training as a, as a method for process improvement, but that might be a, a topic for a, another podcast. Yeah, maybe we'll do that podcast at some point. But Doug, uh, do you have anything to add here about what learning and development will look like for these kinds of technical workers? Well, what I see is companies are, are looking for more prescriptive approach. As industry moves into more data-driven decision-making, I see technical training follow, following the same pattern. So as more data comes in on physical assets, on operational process uh, problems, then training can be prescriptive around what is really needed to continuously improve. So the skill-based competency always needs to be there. But as we evolve through the process of a plant, we need to understand what are the issues that are occurring, the processes that are taking place to improve that and tie that to the training of the future. So when Craig talked about all these different modalities, that's important um, because the right modality to get the information out to the right people is important in a timely fashion. So that's what I see a lot of the future is tying training to the data that's coming in constantly um, to each of these facilities. Speaking of which, speaking about the future, I think we're probably getting a glimpse of that now in this era of COVID-19 where everything is remote or at least as much work as remote as possible, which is pushing a lot of this stuff. Craig, let me start with you. Looking ahead, what do you think the future technical worker will look like? Yeah, and that's a great question. There's lots of really neat things happening out there. I think a big trend we're seeing is enabling the worker to have everything he or she needs to perform work at the site. So at the site where the work is happening in front of a specific piece of equipment, for example. In the past, there was a lot of learning in, in a classroom or on the job. And then when you're out in the field, you've got a procedure and you've got your tools in front of you. and You need to remember how to walk through that procedure and, and perform effectively. With streamlined workforces, there's less opportunity to spend in the classroom, less opportunity to spend on training. So there's a trend towards uh, more enablement at the job site with, with what we call performance support. So you've got your core capability and skill set that you've learned. And then at the job site, you're going to have things like an industrial tablet or iPad. You're going to read a barcode. It's going to pull up all the data Doug talked about, the real-time performance data of the equipment, procedures, past maintenance performed, everything. You're also going to be able to pull up those micro-learnings I talked about to walk through a process and remind you on the spot. You're going to be able to ask an expert real-time, so call someone at a control center or at the equipment vendor's site who can walk you through how to do some troubleshooting, etc. So real, a lot more engagement at the site of the work versus trying to remember everything and going in and performing the work. 
there's other really cool stuff that, that we've seen, we've done, and, and is coming around really 3D augmented reality where you can watch a video of a, a 3D overlay of the equipment and a task being performed and actually in a virtual environment, go and turn those virtual wrenches to practice something at the site of the job before going in and potentially having a problem with it. So lots of cool things happening, but that trend is giving the worker what they need to be effective at the site of work. Mm -hmm. So Doug, do you see this trend as eventually completely phasing out kind of classroom training and moving completely towards on the job in the moment when you need to know? Or is there probably always going to be a mix of the two? I believe there's always going to be a hybrid mix of training, depending upon the industry, uh, depending upon the skill sets that are needed out there. When you get to the highly technical type of, of tasks that have to be provided, there's always going to be some form of what I call hands-on training in the classroom or lab environment. You can never replace that. It's really no different than you look at somebody in the medical field that has to do specific tasks and master those tasks over and over again. That'll never go away. But what we've learned is a hybrid approach. Theory can be done in one modality, practicality in a different modality, and then just-in-time or continuous training could be in a different modality. So it's really it's setting the skill set baseline, getting them everything they need, and then continuously improving to continue the path forward and then tying that back to the actual business of the company. So what we're seeing is as companies remove these silos, they're moving towards a more holistic plan of training um, to make sure it all ties back. It's no longer operation does their things, maintenance does their things, engineering does their things. It's looking at the whole holistic process of what is the best way to handle things. Doug, sticking with you for a minute, what are GP Strategies customers doing now to make that future happen? Well, like I mentioned, what I see the most is they're tying it back to the business. Their, their, their L&D is working with the operations and maintenance side of the facilities moving forward. So it's no longer each plant reaches out and say, well, I need this for training. It's the company as a whole saying, for us to sustain what we do and improve and make things better in the future, we need to look at this more holistically and not just from individual site levels. So it's tying training back to the business itself to make sure that we run the best efficient plant we can. And Craig, where can listeners go to learn more about asset management performance and all the stuff we've been talking about? Yeah, um, real simple. There's a lot of information on our website. So www.gpstrategies.com and click on solutions at the top of the screen. And then click on technical and engineering, and you'll uh, receive a, a, a lot of information on all the topics discussed today. Doug, Craig, thanks for a really great discussion. I think it's especially relevant in the time of COVID-19 when work has been turned on its head and everything's been turned on its head. So I think this was a really valuable discussion. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jeremy. And to all of our listeners, as always, thanks for listening. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.